0: All right, good morning, you all. And I love what V has said this morning about God's Word and talking about the Word being unchained, the Word having free course. That's our question for you as we dive into this this Visions of Hope series for the next several weeks. Does God's Word have free course in your heart? Does God's Word have free course in your life? Does God's word get into you and bounce around and mess with you? Does it do stuff in you and produce stuff out of you? This is what Ezekiel brought as a message to his people, living in exile in Babylon, having been conquered. Ezekiel, as V said, was a prophet, a prophet who was ordained while in exile. And in fact, in his 30th year, Ezekiel was supposed to be ordained as a priest. He was supposed to, in Jerusalem, go serve at the temple, wear the fine clothes and go into the Holy of Holies and pray and do the sacrifices on behalf of his people. But something came along in Ezekiel's life that changed his expectations along with the expectations of his people. You see, here's what happened. They had their temple worship in Jerusalem. They would go to church just like you came to church this morning. You came to a building that we call church here in a corporate center. They would go to their church, to the temple and worship. But something happened to the people somewhere along the way. People started to veer outside of temple worship and worship other gods. They started to get used to doing sacrifices to other gods and giving to other foreign gods that foreigners who came into town would bring with them. And in fact, at one point in the temple, there were statues that were erected there to other gods. And here's the thing about God, my friends, is that God is a jealous God. God made you and he loves you. And he doesn't want to share you with somebody else. He wants to do everything in his power to win you to himself. And that's why he gave us Jesus. You see, Ezekiel, before even Jesus was born, hundreds of years before he was born, Ezekiel was tasked to bring this news to the people of Israel. But with that news came some very difficult warnings. See, Ezekiel was caught off guard one time with a vision that he saw. And as you get right into Ezekiel chapter 1, I don't know if you've ever read the book before, but as you get right into Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel looks up into heaven and sees what he could have rendered at that time as a UFO. Now back then, they didn't know what UFOs were. They didn't understand that unidentified flying objects could be hanging out over Area 51. They didn't have any of that yet. Ezekiel looks up into the sky and he sees something very strange. And the strange thing that he sees is the glory of God made manifest in a way that he could understand and accept and receive some of the very strange images. Now here are some of the things that were manifest in the sky as Ezekiel looked up and saw the glory of God. Saw four human-like creatures that formed this kind of base. And each of them had four faces on them, and they had four wings each. The faces were a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. And later on in Ezekiel, you see this image again. You see underneath each one of these people, a wheel within a wheel. You know that song by Journey? You can sing it. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. I'm, I'm not Journey, okay? I'm not, I'm not Steve Perry. But anyway, I think that's where that song came from. You see that wheel, see the wheels turning, and each of the wheels has eyes on it. Well, the scripture really was revealed in a very physical way to Ezekiel, and he understood in that moment that that was God. That was the glory of God. See, the glory of God is not just some ethereal concept that's far away. The glory of God is made manifest in something you can experience, something you can see or something you experience with your senses. And Ezekiel saw this very strange thing in the sky with the wheels turning. And he had to make note of that because sometime very soon in his life, He would see the glory of God on the move. And that was the significance of the wheels. You see, the glory of God is not bound in a temple. The glory of God is not bound in a church building. The glory of God is not bound in a physical location. If you Google on Google Maps the glory of God, you will not find coordinates. The glory of God is mobile. It is always moving. It is always on the move. And the most powerful message of that at all, is at all is that the glory of God is in you. And you are the one who is always moving. See, the problem with that is that Israel had forgotten that. Israel had forgotten that the glory of God is within them. And so they began to worship other foreign gods, and we find the glory of God getting up and moving out of the temple in Jerusalem. Well, here's what happened to Ezekiel and to his people. In fact, five years after Jerusalem was conquered by their enemy, the Babylonians, and a bunch of the Israelites were taken off into captivity. We find Ezekiel turning 30 at that point. At a point when he was going to be ordained as a priest to Israel and serve in the temple. But now he's not going to be serving in the temple anymore. His expectations have been dashed. He's sitting by a riverside. And he sees this vision of this strange glory of God manifest with wheels under it. Almost like the glory of God is on a cart. And the glory of God rolls around or something. And he wonders, how does this affect me and my people in captivity here's what God said to him from his glory he said to Ezekiel son of man or in this the original language it just means human being it's not something special it just says human being but that son of man language comes back when we start to see Jesus in the Bible God says, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. Do you ever notice that when the Spirit speaks to you, if you've ever heard the Spirit speak to you, the Spirit doesn't force you to move, does he? The Spirit inspires you to move. But who is it that controls your feet and your legs? It is you, isn't it? The Spirit doesn't make people do stuff. The Spirit doesn't make people believe. The Spirit inspires, gives hope, gives peace, gives a place to go with your faith, and then inspires you to get up and move. So we see Ezekiel here responding to the spirit. He gets up. He's raised to his feet. And God says this to him. He says, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now lock this idea into your mind. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, anytime you ever see Lord in all capitals like that, that is an English rendering of the proper name of God. We know it as Yahweh. Can you say that with me? One, two, three, Yahweh. It's actually some letters that are kind of put together without vowels. And then the English came along. Of course, the English can't do without vowels. We've got to have our vowels, right? We put some vowels in there and made it Yahweh. But think of it this way. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. Take Lord out of it for a minute and the English concept of a British Lord out of it for a minute. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. And then Yahweh says a bunch of stuff to Ezekiel that he wants to communicate to his people Israel. And here's what Israel had done. Israel had said to God, no, thank you. Israel had said to God, your laws and decrees, we will not follow. We will do our own thing. Israel had said to God, we will not follow your laws and decrees. We will make up our own, or we will follow the laws and decrees of foreign gods. Israel had basically said no and rejected God. Israel had put themselves in a position where they began to worship the things that these other foreign gods held valuable. Things like gold, things like possessions, things like prestige, things like fame, things like sex, things like stuff you trade for value, even your own family members. Israel began to be enticed into the things that these other foreign gods held valuable and began to hold value in them to themselves and basically said no to God. No, thank you. And so what resulted from that is Ezekiel's visions that God would allow the enemy Babylon to destroy the very temple where Israel did its fake and false worship and carry them into captivity would come true. And in fact, after it was spoken, it came true. Israel was taken into captivity and removed from the very temple where they cherished at one time in their history their worship of the God of Israel, Yahweh. But now they found themselves away from their church. They found themselves out there. And what was interesting about that, is as Paul wrote later to his protege, Timothy, don't give up on God. Even when people aren't faithful to God, that's not the point. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God's word is not chained to a temple. God's word is not fastened to a church. God's word is not fastened to the religious rules you try to keep. God's word is not fashioned to the things you try to give in order to fit into the church. God's word is not chained or fastened to the religious rules you try to keep to be religiously right. God's word has free course in the hearts of people. And the word is this. There is only one God. And his name is Yahweh. It's not, and say your own name right here. Go ahead. There's only one God. You're not it. And God loves you so much to not let you think the burden of being God can fall on your shoulders. He will do anything it takes to let you experience that. Even to the point of your own brokenness, to the point of your own loss, to the point of your own abject failure, where the only direction you've got to look in is which way? Up. God loves you so much. He will allow you to have that experience so that you can have him. Look at what Timothy is spoken to here from Paul. Look at what Timothy receives from Paul. His Master, his teacher. Paul says this. He says, Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, look at this and say this with me together. One, two, three. He remains faithful. Now, that's the point of Ezekiel, and that is the point of today. And it's the point of all the manifestations of all the visions we'll be studying for the next five weeks. God remains faithful. Even when we are not. And God will be faithful to us until the end. He will travel. He will follow. He will pursue. And God doesn't stalk. God doesn't troll. God waits. Lovingly. For a moment to make an impression on you that will last. How has God done that in your life? You know, there are times in my life where I've done something self-destructive. You ever done something self-destructive before? If you're too young for this, don't worry, you will. You'll do something self-destructive someday and you'll think back, well, Pastor Mike said I was going to do something self-destructive. Here it is. Sometime in your life, you're going to do something that hurts yourself and you'll wake up sometime later and think, God, I was so dumb. Why did I do that? And God will let you do it. He'll let you do it. And in that moment, he will be there. In that moment, he will be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He will always be yours. You will always be his. There is nothing you can do to drive God away. Now, can you do something to drive yourself away? Yeah. Yep. I've done it driven myself so far away from God, I thought God was in a textbook. And yet God was there. And in that moment, he reassured me of himself. Look at what Ezekiel hears from the Lord God. And look at this again. It says, therefore say to Israel, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says. Remember that? Whenever God is going to say something, he announces it. He says, okay, I'm about to say something that's going to change your life. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while, what does it say? I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Now, my friend, I want you to open your heart right now. I want you to see the vision, the weird UFO vision. That Ezekiel saw, that God has wheels in the sky, and that He will follow you wherever you go. He's not stalking you, He's not trolling you, He's loving you, and He's faithful to you. He will follow you into the far country, He will follow you where you have been enticed by the foreign God. He will follow you into self-destruction, and he will love you there where you are. Look at this. Therefore say, again, look, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again that message that God gives Ezekiel to give his people is a message of hope. Even though you're in despair, even though you feel a million miles away from God, God is not a million miles away from you. God is your refuge and your strength, your rock and your Redeemer. He is with you where you are and He intends to gather you And as he gathers you, among other people who are also gathered like you, he intends to take the heart that is turned to stone inside you and turn it into a heart of flesh, a heart that beats, moves, lives, feels. He intends to change your heart. He intends to make your heart more like Jesus. You know, we like to say, look, live, and love more like Jesus here. Did you know that it's your, not your responsibility to look, live, and love more like Jesus? It's your responsibility to respond when the Spirit asks you to change, to think differently, to feel differently. But in that moment, it's ultimately God doing the work in you, isn't it? When we say look, live, and love more like Jesus, the reason we say that is that's a vision for hope. That is the vision that God has for you. That no matter how far from God you feel, the actual fact is that God is near. He's there. And He's calling. And He's inviting. And His Spirit is enabling you to trust in Him. Even if it's for the very first time. My friend, let me ask you a question. Is it ever too late to trust in Christ? Is it? In this life, it is not. Until your last breath. And until that time comes, God will be there inviting. He will be there reassuring. He will be there with a vision of hope that you can count on. Something that's manifest and made real to you it's something you can bet on go to the bank on hang your hat on the hope of god for it is not dependent on you and me but on whose work whose mission whose prerogative and whose initiative the glory of god would you pray with me heavenly father thank you for the opportunity To worship you freely based on what you have done. Thank you for giving us Jesus, the Son of God, who is the manifestation of the glory of God on earth and something physical that we can receive and follow and see, touch, hear. Thank you for giving us a vision of restoration. Thank you for giving us a vision of hope and peace and one that is not beyond any one of us at any one time in our life. Thank you for giving us a place to bring our faith and our trust that is in you, now and forever. Amen.